We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. We're going to turn uh, to our, our series now. We've been doing a series called Realignment. So next week, what we're starting is going through the story, looking at the smaller stories that make up the stories. So we talk a lot at Missio about like the true story of the Bible, the true story of the whole world from creation to restoration. But there's a lot of really, really good smaller stories that make that up in the Bible, right? And so we're going to spend 40 weeks diving in and looking at, okay, what, what happened here with Abraham when God called Abraham? Or, or what was like this crazy story in Judges? What was going on there? And we're going to look at those. So we're super excited about that, but we wanted to take the first part of this year to really help us kind of realign ourselves first around what this true story is. Right now, there are, uh, you know, a lot of us are trying to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and on following after Christ, but there's a lot of competing stories, right? And it's like, you got this way of being a Christian over here and this way of being a Christian over here. And we're just trying to say, hey, let's get our focus back on Jesus, Let's realign, if you will. If you've ever gone to an eye appointment and they're like flipping the lenses through and going like, hey, how's this? Is this better? Is that better? And you're trying to see the chart up there and the biggie's all fuzzy and then it starts to come into alignment because you can see clearly. We believe we will see more clearly when we're looking at Jesus and we're looking at his word. And then we can be realigned in what's true. And so we started that off the first week of this year by looking at who is this God who is the God of the whole story? Like before creation happened, there was a God who existed who made all things. Let's talk about that. And so we attempted <laughs> to get to know that God a little bit better. And that's a constant ongoing thing. Uh, and then we spent another week saying, okay, here's a short summary of that story from creation to restoration. And let's answer some questions that we all have had kind of burning within us in 2020 in light of the story not in light of what the world's saying about it, right? Uh, and so this week, what I would love for us to do is really talk about, now, who are we in this story? Because the story is not about me, it's not about you, but we are part of it, right? We are small supporting characters in the story and we each have a role. And a lot of times we're trying to figure out what that is. God, what's my purpose in life, right? God, what's your call on me? God, what do you want me to do with my job or with my family or what's next? And we're trying to figure out what that is. And a lot of times we're really striving hard to build an identity for ourselves. And what I hope and I pray that we would begin to see more and more, and we've talked about identities a lot with Missy. And so if you've been with us, uh, our goal is to kind of like, Hey, this is important. Let's continue to remind one another. If you're new with us, uh, our goal is to say, listen, there's a God who created you and he has everything to say about who you are in him. Your identity is fully wrapped up in him, who he's made you to be, who he's restoring you to be, and not in anything that you can accomplish on your own. So this is important. Uh, Diving into these smaller stories within the Bible and figuring out like, what does that mean for us today? We have to know the foundations first before we can do that. So I got a short little video that we're gonna play and then we will read in Exodus chapter three this morning. 
If we're honest with ourselves, many of us seek to define our identity based off external factors. What I've accomplished in life, the experiences I've had, maybe my knowledge or education, or perhaps it's my status in this world and how I'm perceived by others. These may be true things about us or that have happened to or around us, but they are not who we are. Some of these may be even good things, but eventually they will all let us down. Whether I fail to accomplish something I've set my sights on, or I'm faced with a tragic experience, or I find limitations to my knowledge and understanding, or someone else deems my social status to be lower than I desire. If my worth and identity have been placed in any of these, I'll be crushed. But there's another way of finding our identity. It's found not in the story of my own life and what I've done, but in a much larger story of which each of our lives is a small part true story of the whole world. It's the story of a creator who made all things, including you and I. This story tells us a lot about the identity of our creator, but one of the main ways he's revealed to us is actually through three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. As humans, we were created to be like our creator and show the rest of creation what he's like, but we have all rebelled against him and instead try to build our own identity. Our Creator knows that fighting against who we were meant to be will only bring heartache and destruction, so He's been on a mission ever since to restore us. The Father sent the Son, empowered by the Spirit, to live out the true identity of humanity, perfectly displaying to all of creation what the Father is like, and to take on the heartache and destruction of humanity's rebellion. But He didn't stay in destruction, and the Spirit lifted the Son back up, revealing His true nature and identity. Then the Father sent the Spirit to empower other humans to do the same, until all things are made right again one day by the Creator. If you trust in the Son, you now have a renewed identity because of what He has done, not based on anything you've done. Because of the Father's love, we are made part of His family. Because of the Son who served us, we too are servants. And because of the Spirit sent to us, we are also sent as missionaries into the world to reflect to all of creation what our Creator is like. We no longer have to perform or fight for our identity or make a name for ourselves. Jesus has done all the work for us. But now, because of who we are in Christ, we can live out that identity in the power of the Spirit to the glory of the Father. It's not your doing that defines your being. It's your already being in Jesus that defines what you do. now I should have had someone else narrate that because it's awkward playing a video with my own voice and then you got to hear me talk some more but uh, thanks Uriah for making the track behind that the music on there did a great job so our, our hope is to see that we don't have to prove ourselves by the things we do in order to earn an identity for ourselves and that's the reality of the world that we live in that everybody is trying to make a name for themselves trying to blow up and be an Instagram or a YouTube sensation, trying to get their own parents' approval, right? Trying to get people to notice something about them and trying to do good at their jobs and say, if I can be a good teacher or if I can be a good nurse or if I can just do this or accomplish that, then I'll be somebody. And maybe you wouldn't say those words out loud, right? But functionally, that's how all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, live from time to time. But we have a different story. 
We have a story that tells us there's a God who created us and he has already defined who you are. So turn with me to Exodus 3. And something we need to know as we're looking at Exodus chapter 3 right now is this, that Genesis hadn't been written yet during the time that they were living this. In a sense, Exodus came first, at least in, in real time, in real life, right? And so the people were living this reality where they were enslaved to the most powerful nation in the world, Egypt. And then this random dude, Moses, says, hey, God said, we're, like, we're getting out of here. He goes to the Pharaoh and says, my God says, let my people go. And he's like, who are you? And who's your God? And yet, through a series of amazing, spectacular, miraculous events, God saves his people out of slavery from Egypt, out of the most powerful hands in the nation. He brings them safely to a new home. And he says, now I want to tell you who you are. Now I want to tell you how to live. And Moses then started writing down what we call the Pentateuch or the the first five books of the Bible. He, He then starts writing down, listen, you need to know about this God who just saved you. You need to know that he's the God who created all things in the very beginning, right? And so in order to help give them a new identity, to remind them who they were after they came out of slavery, that's when those books were written. So before we even jump into Genesis next week, we're gonna look at Exodus right now and see this question that Moses had when God first comes to him. He first comes to him at this burning bush moment and he's like, hey, Moses, I want you to go set my people free. And think about just how crazy that would have been, right? So in Exodus, we're gonna pick up in verse seven. The Lord had come to Moses in verse seven. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and I have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So because the Israelites' cry for help has come to me, and I have also sent the way, seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore go. I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Verse 11, but Moses asked God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He answered, I will certainly be with you, and this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This is the word of God. Father, we pray that by your word this morning, by your spirit, Lord, we would be transformed and we would see who you are a little more clearly and who you have called us to be. And that in your grace and in your power, we would walk in that truth. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. There's two questions Moses asks in this. And there are two questions I think that are fitting for us. Who am I? Like, this is a a crazy thing you want me to go do, God. 
who am I to go and do this thing, to go and accomplish this? And I want to get to that question later. The second question he asks is, and who are you, God? Who am I supposed to tell the people you are? And I love God's response. He doesn't explain himself. He doesn't try to say, hey, hey, listen, I'm the one who created all things at the beginning. Uh, I'm the one who actually preserved your life, Moses. You didn't, maybe you didn't know this, but like you were supposed to be killed and murdered as a baby and I miraculously stepped in and saved you. Uh, he, he doesn't start going through this list of things. He simply says, look, I am who I am. There's no thing or action or event or even person who has to be used to define who God is. God's identity is fully found in simply himself. I am who I am. It's a statement that is like boggling. Like Moses would probably like, thanks for not really answering the question, right? But at the same time, if you sit with it and if you start to unpack it for a while, this God, who he is, is completely built around himself. So he defines his own identity. No one else. And you and I can't claim that. Like if I start to tell you things about my identity, uh, one thing about my identity, one part of it is I'm a father. That can't be true without my children. I'm a husband. That can't be true without my wife. I'm a son. That can't be true without my parents. You see where I'm going with this? Like every single thing about us, your job, if that's what defines you, you know, I'm a teacher. Well, you got to have some people to teach. I'm a a maintenance person. Well, you got to have, first of all, something to maintain. And second of all, that means that there's been other people who have been breaking it down, right? Everything about us, every aspect of it is literally defined by and connected to other people and a whole reality around us. And God is the only one who can make a claim that says that's not true about him because he existed before this story started. He existed before he spoke and created the first little bit of existence. I don't understand it either. But God, his identity is found completely in him. And yes, he says he's a father later. Yes, he becomes a savior and a rescuer. Yes, he becomes creator. Yes, all these things about him become true too. But even before all those things, I am who I am. And all things are because I am, is what God says. God gives this answer. Look, you want to know who's bringing you out of Egypt? Someone way more powerful than Pharaoh. Pharaoh is nothing without his people. You want to know who's bringing you out of Egypt? Someone way more powerful than the Egyptian gods. And he's about to display that for them too. Every single one of the 10 plagues is knocking down systematically each one of the Egyptian gods that they worshiped. Do you want to know who's doing this? The only one who is powerful enough to do it. The only one who's powerful enough to do it without anyone or anything getting in his way. That's what God's answering when he says, I am who I am. It's not tied to anyone else. I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. That's it. Thanks for the riddle, God. (laughs) 
This is a powerful being who exists beyond eternity and whose identity is not predicated or necessitated by any other thing or person or event. And he comes to this little man named Moses at a specific time and place to rescue a small people who were oppressed and poor and had nothing to their name. This powerful almighty being hears their cries, we're told. I have heard the cries of the oppressed. I've seen the wickedness of their oppressors. And I have come to set it right. That is the good news of this whole story is that God has seen the brokenness of this world. He's heard those who cry out to him and he comes to make it right. That's who this God is. But Moses has another question. It's actually the first question he asked. And it's one that he'll continue to wrestle with if you were to read through the Moses story, which we will later in the year. He'll continue to wrestle with, well, who am I? Who am I that you would come to me? Like there's probably some better people. At this point, Moses, if you want to talk about identity with things that we've done in the world, Moses is a murderer. He killed someone earlier on in this story out of a fit of rage that he couldn't control. Moses is a coward. He's run away. His people were being beaten. That's what makes him so angry enough to murder someone. But when, he's, when people are like, hey, we know what you did, we're going to tell, he just runs away. Whatever's happening to them is happening to them, but I'm getting out of here. Like there's all kinds of things we could say about Moses' identity from what he's done. And he's got a valid question. Who am I to go and tell the most powerful man on the planet to let these people go, his like entire workforce and how he's building up his empire? And who am I that these people, these, these thousands, maybe millions at this time of Israelites would listen to me? The last time I tried to help them, they told me, they were the ones who said, hey, we're, we're going to rat you out. What are you going to do, Moses? Are you going to kill us like you killed that other guy? So who am I that they're going to listen to me or that he's going to listen to me? Who am I, God? And God gives him an interesting answer, doesn't he? Moses asked in verse 11, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Verse 12, God answered, Moses, you are most favored. Moses, you are powerful. Moses, you are like the best man I've ever seen. Moses, you, you got charisma. No, he doesn't say any of that, does he? He says nothing about Moses in that moment. There's a whole lot of messages out there that are trying to build us up and give us this like ego, right? Man, you're great. The Lord loves you. You're special. The Lord does love you. But how does God answer that question? Moses says, who am I? He's doubting himself. He's doubting his identity. He's doubting his worth. And God says this in verse 12, I will certainly be with you. What's your identity? What does Moses need to know in that moment in probably the scariest moment of his life, about to take on the biggest obstacle of his life? Not Moses, you can do this. I believe in you. No, it's, who am I, God? Listen, I'm going to be with you. 
That's who you are. Remember, God's the only being whose identity is not tied to relationship to someone else. But you and I, we find our full identity in this relationship with him. Who are you? God will surely be with you. If that is not the like, most glorious identity and worth and value that you could ever attain, I don't know what is. Verse 12, I will certainly be with you. And then he goes a step further. He doesn't have to do this. He says, you know what? I'm going to give you a sign that you know. This will be the sign, he says, that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship at this mountain. And they do. Spoiler alert. Who who am I, God? What do you want from me? What's, What's your plan for my life? What's your purpose? I'm with you. But I am who I am who has existed before all things, has heard your cries, and he has come to be with you. And that's why we say our identity is wrapped up in who this God is, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. Uh, If we could show that diagram again that we had in the video. We kind of drew this out the first week when we were talking about who is God. And and again, we said all diagrams and analogies are faulty. They'll break down. They won't fully explain who this is. Incredible God is, I know, but if you go with me for a second, uh, if we do believe that God is three persons in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then our identity flows out of that. Because God is a Father, and he has sent the Son to bring us near, to adopt us in as his children, to make us sons and daughters. We are now family too. We're family with one another and we're family with him. Our identity is no doubt tied to relationship. We have brothers and sisters who we had nothing to do with before, nothing in common with outside of this, except that Jesus has saved us. Jesus has seen us, he has heard our cries and he has come to rescue us. And now we can sit in this room, people from all kinds of different backgrounds and we can be a community. We can love one another. We can carry each other's burdens. We can be available to one another in their times of need. We can rejoice with one another and laugh with one another and celebrate with one another and cry with one another and be present with one another. And even in our disagreements and in the things that we don't have in common, we can go, yes, but we have a deeper unity. We have a deeper unity in the God who formed us and the God who saved us the God who has brought us together. And so we will always say here at Missio that we are a family. Now, listen, I'm a dad because I have three sons. That doesn't mean I'm always a good dad, right? And they'll tell you. <laughs> I, I, I'm just not. My identity, I'm still a dad. So we're family. Sometimes we're not very good at it. Let's just be real, right? That's, I'm included in that statement, you guys. Probably the worst of it. But, but by God's grace, we will continue to grow into becoming more and more like the thing we already are. You already are family. You already are a son or a daughter of God because of what he's done, not because of what you've done. But we all need some help learning how to live like that's true. Does that make sense? 
Because, if we can go back to that real quick, sorry. Because God is also son, he is the king of all creation, Jesus, who served the world to the point of giving up his own life. Like lived the most meager life you could imagine, laid down his life for one another, for others. Even before that, would wash people's dirty, nasty feet, would feed people, heal people. And because the king of all universe made himself a servant and served us, we now are brought into this kingdom and we are now servants to this king. And so our lives are about serving King Jesus. We could do that because he modeled it perfectly for us and showed us how to do it. We could do it because he showed us that even him, who's the greatest in all the universe, did not think himself too great to come and love and serve. And so no one in here is of any higher place to say, oh, that's, that's beneath me, right? No, we, we all make ourselves smaller in order to serve one another and to serve our city. So because Jesus, the king of the universe, has served us, we now are servants too. Again, this is your identity once Jesus accomplished what he accomplished on the cross and rose out of the grave. He did this for you. You just may be a bad servant sometimes. We, we got to learn and grow in how to do this better. But this is no doubt who you are. And when you fight against who you are, that's when anxiety and depression start to breed. When you are trying to be something you cannot be, how miserable that is. Then there becomes this what's called cognitive dissonance in your own mind because you think I should be this over here, but internally, you know, like this is not what I'm built for, right? So we, we got to learn how to become the thing that we actually are. And because God is the spirit, the Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus for his mission, the Holy Spirit who was present at the very beginning of God, his mission to create all things, the Holy Spirit who gave Jesus the strength he needed in the wilderness to overcome temptation, the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the grave. Because Jesus has sent that spirit to dwell with his church now, to be here in our midst among us, we too are sent by the spirit. Uh, the Bible doesn't actually use this word missionaries. It's a word that came later, but it absolutely says we are sent ones. Another word that it does use in Corinthians is that we are ambassadors. That means you are sent as a representative, but we're not just sent on our own. We're sent with the power of the spirit. The same God who told Moses way back when, who are you? I'm with you. Jesus said right before he ascended to be with his father, and I will be with you always to the ends of the age. Why? Because my spirit is coming to be in your midst. And so because God is a missionary God who's always been on a mission to restore all things and his spirit resides here with us in our midst, we're also missionaries. And so this is why we say that phrase, we're a community of God's people. That's that family piece. God has made us his community. Learning to live in God's ways for the sake of Phoenix that's hitting all those areas that, that we're family, we're servants. In the middle of that diagram, you saw disciples. That means we're, we're learning to be more like Jesus. We're learning how to live out these identities better, right? So we're learning to live in God's ways for the sake of others, not for ourselves, for the sake of one another 
and for the sake of our city that God has planted us in. This is what we are praying we would become more and more realigned to this year and that we would live that identity out better and better each day. That we would do all things, not just our budget, uh, but our conversations with each other, the way that we spend our time, the, even the vacations you decide to go on, uh, the way that, that we interact in our job, the way that we treat our neighbors, that all these things would be done in light of an identity of who we are. Not trying to earn an identity for ourselves, but because that identity is already given to us through the accomplishment of Jesus, we now are free to live it out. That we are a family of servant missionaries learning to become more like Jesus. Or again, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of Phoenix. There's some grace in that word learning, right? We're not perfect. We won't be until Jesus returns and he finally and fully restores all things for his kingdom. But by God's grace, by his spirit, by his power, we are learning and becoming more and more like Jesus each day. Amen? I pray that that's true for us. I pray it's true for myself. And I hope I invite you to join with me in praying that it's true for you and your household this year as well. This is only accomplished because of Jesus. When Jesus came and he was baptized by John, the spirit hovers over him and the father's voice says, this is my son who I love and I'm well pleased with. And Jesus said, I'm giving you that same spirit. And the closest followers to Jesus who actually saw him and talked with him, who wrote stuff down for us to read thousands of years later, they would constantly say phrases like this. You, if you trust in Jesus, you are clothed in Jesus. You are wrapped in Jesus. You are immersed in, baptized in Jesus. Which means now when the father looks at you, he doesn't see Moses, you were a murderer. Moses, you were a coward. He doesn't see, Chris, you were a liar. Chris, you are selfish. Instead, he looks, he sees your clothes in Christ, and he says, this is my son or my daughter who I love and I'm very pleased with. That's your identity. If you're in Jesus, if you're wearing other clothes this morning, that's not true of you, but let me tell you, that can be true of you. And I believe it's the reason you're sitting here today or you're online today. Because God is calling people into this family. He's got the doors open. He's got a seat at the table and he's welcoming more and more children in to be adopted into his family. And this is a good dad who loves his children perfectly. So I invite you to explore that Come and meet him. Pray with me. God, we thank you that we have been given a new identity in Jesus and empowered by your spirit to live it out for the glory of the Father. And we know, God, that we do not do that perfectly, but we know the perfect one who is with us in the midst of it. And so when we do start to question our identity, when we do start to doubt 
ourselves when the enemy wants to attack who we are. May we hear the words you spoke to Moses. The Lord is with us. That that's who we are. And God, may that be more than enough. We thank you, Jesus Emmanuel, for fully being God with us. And we thank you that you will return again one day to forever be present with us. Until then, we thank you your spirit is still here. Help us to live more in that story, to fix our eyes more wholly fixed on you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.